Amen. Can we put our hands together? Amen. Come on, let's let everybody online know we're here. <laughs> Praising God. Amen. You may be seated. And I'm going to ask if we turn a couple of the house lights on just so I can see uh, people's face. I'd like to see people's faces. Um, and uh, no, we don't do that to monitor who's sleeping, who's not. We'd like to just see... Amen, your face, amen, this morning. And uh, but God bless you, everybody that came out. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, some of these people that came out today probably lived by a main road, so you had easy access, right, and, and uh, to get out today. But it's just one of those days, do church, no church, church, no church, we decided to have it. Um, but we just uh, thank everybody for joining us online as well. And uh, really excited about it. You know, again, I'm kind of wearing Consuming Fire t-shirt. Uh, so, you know, big props there. And um, just to kind of, you know, get excited about the next couple weeks, the youth moving uh, over to the OC. And it's just been something that really has been on the Lord's mind for a long time. And uh, we just, um, I've just worked real hard. And Brother Steve and, and Michael and so many others have worked real hard and uh, getting it ready. Um, I'm just, we did so much carpet this week. We're going to do so much more this next week. That's all I'm dreaming about is carpet, putting down carpet and sealing down and everything, and that's just the way it is. But excited because how many know it's just a tool? This building is just a tool. The outreach center is just a tool for what God wants to do, and we're his servants, and we're saying, Lord, however you want to do it, we're going to do it. And, uh, you know, some we put a lot of emphasis on buildings and money into buildings, but it's just a tool for what God wants to do, and that is people. How many know God is, is about touching people and saving people and, and uh, reaching people, and that's our business. And so we're excited about that, and, and uh, really that's about... Uh, really the extent of it. And I, I think that, you know, uh, now I, I'm not even at the place where I can just, you know, feel like, man, we can relax. We're getting to one side done. I'm already, you know, months ago, I was already thinking about the next phase. And uh, I think it was Mike McKernan had to keep telling me, just let's take one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. Amen. And so uh, we're, we're good, you know, excited about that. But uh, so, yeah, thanks for braving the weather this morning. And um, we will come up with maybe if we have really bad weather. You know, in Pennsylvania, we, we know what really bad weather is. This would be considered, you know, a heart attack for many people. But we're, you know, hey, we're from the north. And uh, I think that uh, we're going to have a plan about how if we have uh, uh, ever have really bad weather and we can't have a Sunday morning, we'll, we'll have it uh, available online and we'll have that ready for you. We just really weren't ready for a lot of things today, but uh, it's all good. And uh, how many just appreciate what the Lord's doing in your life? And you can say, you know, I can see God moving in my life all the time, every day. And uh, how many just say, you know, I'm really excited about one more day to grow in my faith, one more day to get closer to the Lord, one more day to really love, uh, love God a little bit more today and have His love in my life a little bit more today. Uh, you know, the Bible says that His mercies are brand new every morning. I'm so thankful for that. I'm glad it's not once a year like it was in the Old Testament. I'm glad that it's every single day, 24-7, 365 with the Lord. And uh, last week we touched on a little bit. I just want to go in a little bit more. And uh, we talked about fuel, our relationship with God, our friendship with God. We talked about really the passion for God's company in our lives. And so I just wanted to follow up with that. You know, the word devotions, uh, as we talk about daily devotions, or the word devotions really means, of course, to devote yourself or devote oneself. It also means to, to really commit to, to something, to adore something, but also um, just a couple definitions. It means something that's adored or an object of worship, This to look on something with deep feelings of reverence and awe and respect. 
And uh, how many know we, we're really called to our daily devotions with the Lord, right? So this, the, today I just want to just continue to, to, to uh, on this series, but also really just want to encourage everybody this next year, you know, instead of thinking about what the Lord, you know, all these things the Lord has for us, I feel like it's very important that we go back to that first step and we go back to our relationship with the Lord and sometimes we get away from that. Sometimes we kind of get so busy in life that we kind of get away from our daily walk with the Lord. But aren't you glad that He never leaves us nor forsakes us and, and He's with us whatever we go through and every day. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, some of you woke up late and you rush out and you go to work and the Lord's still there. I mean, the Lord's still talking with you and loving on you and I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, but I just want to touch on some things. I'm going to read out of Leviticus today. And, uh, but, you know, de- devotions, one of the things devotions does, devotions kind of destroys the, the concept or the, the belief that what happens in church on Sunday is totally separate than what happens the rest of the week in my life. Um, you know, and how many know it kind of puts to ban the notion that uh, God is only, you know, close to you on Sundays? Or when, if, you, if you go to church, then you'll be right with God. Uh, how many know devotions, daily devotions, put to ban that, right? And uh, so it's very important to understand that we're not called to have two lives or different lives, and you behave differently in church, and we do things differently, and I need to straighten up because i got to go to church. And how many know it's just all the time with the Lord? And, and really, we've come to do corporately what we are doing individually with the Lord. We're worshiping, we're praising, we're, come on, we're just in His Word. Uh, this is what we're doing on a daily basis. And so just wanted to touch on some things today concerning our relationship with the Lord. And if I had to title this, uh, I would title this message, Keep the Fire Burning. I think that uh, years ago I saw this, and, you know, when we worked with teenagers for so many years, you know, you really got to give them something they can live by and uh, something that they can walk their faith out on a daily basis. And so we saw this and, and began to preach it, and we just saw that it was really, really good. And so let's, let's read from Leviticus chapter 6. I'm going to read out of verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read out of the... King James Version, and so in Leviticus. Now, how many have ever started reading your Bible? January 1st, you started in in Genesis 1. How many have ever done that? And you're like, I'm reading the Bible through this year. I'm going to read, and then somehow you get lost in Leviticus, right? Somewhere you kind of get lost, and it's like, Lord, you had me there, and then you lost me, right? And then I'm all over the place in Deuteronomy, and by the time I skip to Psalms, I'm halfway into the year by June. So, you know, you're kind of there, and so, but let's read out of Leviticus. I I think there's some tremendous principles here that are really encouraging today in your relationship with the Lord. It says in verse 12, God is speaking to the priest, the Levitical priest, of course, and their duties. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, and it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And, and, and as, as he says, I've, I've already told you, I will tell you. And he shall burn it there on the fat of the peace offerings. And verse 13, and the fire shall be ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. One of the things, just a few things actually, that I wanted to point out about this scripture is, uh, number one, no fire, no worship. And the Lord was giving instructions to the priest here that, and, and very detailed instructions about the, the altar and the sacrifice and, the, and everything. But one of the most important things was about the sacrifice of worship was the fire on the altar. How many know if you don't have fire, you don't have, a wor- have worship? And so without the fire, there was no sacrifice. It didn't, it didn't mean anything. You had to have the fire. Everything was about the fire on the altar. You could have the altar. If you didn't have the sacrifice, it didn't work. If you had the altar and the sacrifice, no fire, that didn't work. How many know it's just that combination, right? And so the Lord's saying, look, you got to do all this and, 
and then it'll be acceptable, and this is part of the sacrifice. And in fact, you know, the Bible makes it so clear and how detailed God was about this fire being on the altar that they had to keep the coals in these boxes and wherever they traveled because, you know, the cloud would, would start moving and they'd have to pack up their tents and they'd have to move. And wherever they went, the coals of fire uh, off the altar of God went with them. Did you know that? And even in the camp, they had to have a special tent and a special room in the temple. Even Solomon's temple had a special room just for chopping wood so that they had to have the fire going all the time. It was like 24 hours a day, you had to keep the fire. If Some of you grew up and you had a wood stove. I don't know how many grew up in your grandmother, your father, whoever, you grew up in a wood stove. And uh, how many know one of the most frustrating things as a kid was somebody had to get up and put fire on the wood, uh, wood on the fire, is that right? Somebody had to go chop it, and then in the summer you had to load it, right? And you spent all those hot days loading wood and all that, and so, and that's a, that, some of you know what I'm talking about. It, it, it was just a lot of work, but it, it's once you had that wood there, and you had those cords of wood out back or in the house, man, you can just keep that fire going, and you can just, as long as you had that wood, you can keep that fire going, and this is a picture, really, of really our devotion before the Lord. A couple other things I just wanted to bring out about this is in Leviticus chapter 9, the Bible says that God lit the fire originally. So God lit the fire. And, and it says that God sovereignly lit the fire. Isn't that cool? That God just kind of torched it and it was on fire. But it was the responsibility of the priest to keep it going. God said, I'll light it, but you got to keep it going. How many know there's a mutual agreement there? There's relationship there. There's communion there. I li- I'll light it, but you've got to keep it Going And in, in chapter 9, uh, verse 6, the Lord told Moses uh, to tell the people, When you have followed the Lord's instructions, His glory will appear to you. When you do what God's telling you to do, and you do it in the order that God has you to do it, the glory of God will come. And that's how important it was to the Lord. But He lit the fire. And the fire was really not just a sign that uh, God accepted the offering. The fire was also this, this sign that there was this, as we talked about last week, this uh, residence of God's presence, this where God was dwelling, where God was living. I need this fire to be there so that you can know that I'm with you and that I love you. And so the other thing I see about this is that if you fast forward um, into the New Testament, this there was also a flame in the New Testament. How many know there was a fire in the New Testament as well? In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on everyone in cloven tongues of fire. We see that picture there. And Jesus said that that he would baptize us with fire. That was kind of the picture that we see in the Old Testament. Fire is also, in in the New Testament, we talk about the fire and the altar and the sacrifice as a form of worship. How many know daily devotions is a form of worship? When I read my Bible, that's a form of worship. When I pray, that's a form of worship. How many know what I'm talking about? When you sing, maybe some dogs howl, but that's a form of worship. And God likes it. Amen. But the fire of God came in the book of Acts. We see that. And, and then Paul talks about it. And Jesus taught on it that the fire would come. And in Acts chapter 2, he made a very interesting. Peter, when he stood up to preach, made a very interesting observation here and, and, and declared something that was very important. He said that he explained what was going on at the, the day of Pentecost. And he said, For this promise is for you, your, your, your children, your grandchildren, as many as the Lord our God. God will call, and he said, from now on. That's what he's saying, from now on. What does that mean? That means there was a perpetual or ongoing fire. And this really symbolizes that perpetual ongoing worship 
that we have before the Lord. In the Old Testament, God lit the fire and He said, it's your responsibility to keep it going. I want you to never let this thing go out. How many know God lit a fire 2,000 years ago and it's still burning today? Amen. Right? And so we see this. Uh, this is the eternal flame of the Lord. It's like, don't ever let this thing go out. Don't ever let the fire of God, the passion of God in your life go out. And then the last thing I see about this is this, really, this translation that we can bring the two together that really is a picture of our daily communion with the Lord. When we get saved and we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives and uh, it's really our responsibility to keep the fire of God fueled in our heart and our life. How many agree with that today? How many believe said, man, I see this now. I see that, you know, God does something amazing in my life, but it's really my responsibility and up to me to really add to my relationship and build my relationship with the Lord as we talked about last week. But, you know, just like in the Old Testament, if we let the fire go out, it's because of our own neglect. Not because God moved away, not because God removed his promises from us, not because God changed his mind about us, but because of our own neglect. Is that what the Bible says? If you don't put fire on, uh, fuel on the fire, it's going to go out. It, you're not going to have the fire for the sacrifices. And then you're going to have to go through the process again, and God's going to have to light it again. But Right? So he said, don't let it go out. This is supposed to be a picture of this eternal flame of relationship with the Lord. And so I believe that through Jesus, as the Bible says in 1 Peter, we've been made spiritual priests to offer spiritual sacrifices to God in our worship. How many believe that? Is that right? And then in verse 9, he, later on in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says that you are a royal priesthood. Talks about and gives that picture of the Levitical priests and how they were offer sacrifices every day and not let the fire go out every single day. How many of you are still priests under the Lord? Spiritual priests. Amen. And so we're to do that. And that's, a, that's, that's part of the fuel in our lives. But let me just, before I give you just a few things about keeping the fire burning in our hearts, I just wanted to say, give this little disclaimer out here, is that nobody can do it for you. <laughs> nobody else can do it for you. I mean, you know, people can encourage you in your devotions and your relationship with the Lord, and that's why we're here on Sunday, to encourage you to build yourself up. But, you know, only, only we can build a strong relationship with the Lord. Come on somebody, amen. Let me also say this, that if you don't do devotions, if you don't do devotions every day or have devotions with the Lord, how many know it's not that God doesn't love you anymore, that you're out of the will of God, that somehow God's moved on from you, that you're in sin? I mean, there's like 50 people here, you can still say amen, that's great. All right, many people think there's nobody here if you don't say amen. And I'm just doing this by myself. All right. So, but, you know, think about it. You know, many people think, well, if I don't do devotions each day and every day and all the time, I mean, no, that doesn't mean you just lose your salvation. <laughs> that doesn't mean that God's walked away from you or, or God's going to somehow punish you. You know, but it's, in this case, it's kind of like, you know, there's quality sometimes more than quantity, right? So it doesn't matter where we are, like we said last week, we're, we're, what we're doing. We just understand that God wants us to have that fellowship with Him every day. That's what's important about it. So whether you, you know, have this goal, starting January 1st, you're going to read through the New Testament, you're going to read the whole Bible, you're going to read you know, just the Gospels, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Those are great. Those are wonderful. There's a great way to kickstart the year. But how many know all of us are humans and we have a great idea until about a week later? All right? We have this great enthusiasm, and then two weeks later we're, you know, okay, my Bible is somewhere on the house. I'm sure it is. Uh, it got lost somewhere, right? 
But that doesn't mean that. So when I share these things, I think sometimes we, we take that and we think, well, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not like you, Brother Matt. I'm not as spiritual as you. How do you know? It comes from your heart. Amen? Right? It comes from your heart. So it's, it's important to keep that in mind. And so I just wanted to say, and as a kid, I, I believed this, and I, I learned as I got older this can't happen, is nobody can lay hands on you and give you a devotional life. It takes discipline. It takes that, you know, first of all, it takes your, as we learned as a kid, that desire to do it, then the discipline, right? And so we do that, and we, we say, Lord, I'm going to discipline myself to wake up a little earlier or, or before I go to bed and set some time aside at lunch. I remember back in the day I would carry those little pocket New Testaments. How many remember those? The little Gideon pocket New Testament, right? And uh, I remember at lunch break, get that out and you go through the Psalms and Proverbs or whatever. And uh, I don't know about you, but I felt like I just needed some more word. I needed Jesus in, in my day. And so however you do it and however it works out for you. But, you know, nobody can do that. There's no app that can give me discipline. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing I can download that will, you know, all of a sudden I have this thriving relationship with the Lord because I got this app. I mean, no, it still takes some basic things for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord, Right. So let me just encourage you to keep the fire burning today and how to do that. Number one, I believe that we need to feed it daily with the right fuel. Feed it daily with the right fuel. See, devotions with the Lord isn't necessarily a time slot. It's a place with Him. Notice in the Old Testament and New Testament, it talks about a dwelling place. It doesn't say a dwelling time. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm, you know, I want a dwelling place. I want a place where I can abide. I can live. A place. So it's a place in the Lord. It's not necessarily a time slot, even though that's a great way to do it and to look at it that way. That's good. But it's a place in the Lord. And so what do we see? We see prayer. We see reading the Bible. We see praise and worship. All these things go hand in hand and they're part of the right fuel that fueled the fire of God in our lives. Amen. How many have found that out in your personal life, that the Word of God fuels the fire of God in your life? And so, um, you know, I just want to encourage you that, that prayer is so important and, and, and praise and worship on a daily basis or, or as much as you can. That's so important. And they work together. They really do. They work together in our lives to bring us closer to the Lord and to grow in your faith. And so those are things that you can honestly say those are the easiest and the simplest fuel that we can add to the fire on a daily basis of the passion of God in our hearts. And so I believe, my personal belief and what I've seen in my own life is that the biggest source is the Word of God. The biggest source of the fuel of God is the Word of God in my life. And how many know that Jesus was really schooled in the Word of God? And when he was attacked by the enemy and he was under temptation, what did he do? He didn't reach for, uh, you know, didn't reach for a friend. He didn't call on somebody to give him advice or comfort. He quoted the Word of God. And so I believe that. So I believe that the Word of God is really the initial voice of God. How many know if you want to hear God, open your Bible? Amen. Open your Bible. And so really, again, the fire of God is really fueled by the Word of God. And your life in the Word, as we call it, the, your life in the Word determines your walk with God. It really does. I wish it was different. I wish it was just something that, again, somebody could lay hands on me, pray for me, and next thing you know, I'm the most amazing Christian. I have the most amazing walk with the Lord. You know? But how many know if we've ever gotten to that spot where we don't fellowship with the Lord over time, over time, over time, we find ourselves, we feel more distant. How many have ever done that? You've been in that place. You feel a little bit distant from the Lord. How many know, you know, God has never moved? It's usually us. 
We move away. We do some things. We kind of get busy, don't we? Amen. But how many know the Lord on a daily basis just calls us back to Him every day? Come on. Come back. Amen. As, we, you know, as, as the Lord told Moses, come on up to the mountain. Just hang out. Just be there. One of the things I like to think in this picture about feeding the fire of God in my life is the Word of God reminds me of seasoned wood. You know, there's something about burning with good wood. When you, you know, there's, there's wood that you cook with, wood that you can just burn. And then how many know there's wood that you just burn outside? You can just kind of burn it outside in a campfire, but you wouldn't necessarily burn it within your house. Right? There's a certain word, a wood that would do that. And, and seasoned wood is like the Word of God because it burns longer and hotter and it, and it doesn't smolder, but it really catches on fire easy and it just somehow fuels what I need it to do. But you know, there's something that people try to uh, cook with, and, and I know in a lot of third world countries, uh, is green wood, what they call green wood, where you just cut a tree down immediately and then try to burn it. Or, you know, you take a new shoot, a, a, a kind of a young growth, and cut it down and try to burn it. Uh, you know, that doesn't work too well. Uh, it may be new and fresh, but it doesn't ignite properly. <laughs> it doesn't burn the same. Usually you get a lot of smoke with a little flame. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we can tie into this, and the Bible talks about that there's just things of this world that just don't burn in our lives. <laughs> right. They don't fuel the fire of God. You know, there's just certain things that the world has to offer and there's out there that really don't fuel the fire of God the way the Word of God does. Amen? I mean, no, TV might be okay and cool if you want to get some things and watch some cool movies or whatever, but, you know, it really doesn't help me fuel the fire of God in my life. Even in Christian programming, that's great. I, I, that's great, I promote it. But, but, but that, can, that has its place. But how many know nothing can take the place of good, fresh wood as the Word of God? I mean, you just can't beat it. Amen? Plus, s'mores stink when you, cook, when you cook over the wrong wood. Amen? Just kidding. You know, I remember when we went to Guatemala, that's what they had to do. That's just what it was. You were allowed to cut down any type of tree anywhere. So you go in the neighbor's yard and cut down some of their wood, go on the hill, go in the mountains. Cook, gun, and, you know, I'll never forget going through these villages. And they had to, um, you know, a lot of times, most of the time, this one village, everybody cooked their food over an open flame. There wasn't stoves and electricity and all that. It was off the grid. And so you had to keep that fire going all the time. And so it was 90-some degrees, and everybody had a fire in their house. And everybody had fire, and so it was hot, right? But I, one of the things I remember is it, it stunk. It just, the smell was not pleasant. How many have ever smelled firewood in the winter especially? And you're like, man, that smells good, right? I mean, we, we got somebody in town that burns wood, and I like that smell every once in a while. Out in the country, I love that smell. But man, this was not that smell. This smelled like somebody was cooking socks. <laughs> this was not good. This was, this was not a good thing. And, and uh, I believe it's the same thing in our lives. I don't think the Lord wants a lot of smoke. I think He wants a, a roaring flame. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So I believe not only do we feed it with the right fuel, but we protect it from the elements. I'm going to move quickly here. Protect it from the elements. What do I mean by, what mean, mean by that? Well, one of the things I, I immediately thought about was in Ephesians chapter 4 when Paul warns the Christians about winds of doctrine. Winds of doctrine. How many know we got to protect the fire of God in our lives from winds of doctrine? Not, not, not good winds, bad winds as he says. Let's read this real quick. Ephesians chapter 4 in the living it says... Uh, then we will no longer be children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has 
cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. One translation says, then we will be no longer like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different. But it's being tossed to and fro because of winds of doctrine. That we're not going to be tossed to and fro by winds of doctrine. And he makes this analogy here of children. He didn't just talk about fishermen or, or you know, people out you know, on the water. He says like children who are tossed to and fro. Children are like boats. This is what he's giving this analogy that are thrown up and down on these big waves and it's, and, and, and it's out of control and it's dangerous is what he's giving this analogy. And, and he says that false teaching is like the wind. False doctrine or winds of doctrine are like the wind. It's like they can be like the wind. And so Paul uses this and he says about children. Why does he say children? Well, that means they're young in Christ. No, what he means is, is that children... Uh, uh, really tend to be gullible and they tend to be vulnerable and they can believe just about anything. And he says, so the point is, is don't be like children, be mature in your faith. Don't be immature in your faith. And he's saying, look, if you're immature in your faith, you're going to be blown away by any type of idea or philosophy or wind of doctrine, as he called it, that is not of Christ. I mean, no, God wants us to be grounded and settled in His Word and in the truth so we're not blown away by any wind of doctrine besides the doctrine of Christ. Amen. And so this is what he's saying. And so I believe there's a lot of different winds of doctrine. They're contrary to the doctrines of Christ, as Paul teaches later, and Peter does too, which blow only to put out the fire of God. That's really what it's about. So these could be, you know, uh, just philosophies, of perspectives, theories, ideas, anything that is contrary to the doctrine of Christ. These are called winds of doctrine. And they blow you off course. And, and so he's giving a warning here. And he said, look, they'll take you not just off course, but they're going to keep you immature. How many know God's idea of relationship is maturity? He wants to, you to grow in your faith so that you become mature in the Lord. How many believe that with all your heart? That we grow up in God. That we grow in the things of the Lord. That we become mature in, the, in our faith. And so... The Bible talks about this, is that people, that there are certain people that could keep you from growing in Christ. And he said, be careful of those people, be careful of those things. And they want to keep you immature in the faith. You know, it's funny how really the devil wants to keep you mature in sin and immature in the faith. But how many know God wants you to be mature in the faith and immature when it comes to sin? Ignorant is what the Bible says when it comes to uh, wickedness. And I want you to notice this is that, you know, every fire needs oxygen, but too much wind will scatter it and put it out. Right? So how many know we need the breath of God? We need the wind of God, if we can say that. There is this level of oxygen, but Paul says winds, not, not little breath of doctrine. He says winds of doctrine, so be careful. Protect the fire of God from the elements. And the second thing we protect it from is what the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 10, strange fire. I know you're getting ready for a seminar on music, but I'm not going to do that today. Strange fire on the altar. And you read that account, it really is amazing because what it was is it was unauthorized fire. Fire that was off an altar of Baal that they would take and they would try to put it on the altar of God and mix the two fires. And the Bible calls that strange. It's strange. It's mixture. And so keep... Keep uh, the fire of God from strange fire or mixture is what it says. Do not mix the fire of God with anything else. And so the Bible says in Deuteronomy over and over again, a few times it says that God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. 
He doesn't want you mixing other philosophies and religions and ideas and things with what He's already taught us. Come on, somebody. Amen. How do you know what He's taught us is good enough? Amen. The Word is good enough. It's complete enough. But also, it will take your heart away from the Lord. That's why Abraham even did it, and, and, and then the Lord spoke to the children of Israel. He said, don't let your, your wife, your, your young women, or your wives marry strange women. Your young men marry strange wives. Does that mean weird and, uh, you know, just, just really weird and smelly girls? No, that means they're from another tribe. They're from another nation. They have another, they worship other gods. Why did he say that to Solomon? Solomon didn't listen, but why did he say that? Because in the end, he said, they'll take your heart away from the Lord. They'll lead your heart away from the Lord and cause you to follow the gods. I mean, God knows what he's doing. And God knows our nature, doesn't he? He made us. He knows us. He knows that we're going to get enamored with everything else. And wow, that's cool. And I love that. And I like that. And I want to worship that. And I want to worship this. I mean, you know, the Bible says there's only one God that we worship, and He's good enough for us. Amen? That's all you need to do. And so that's what He's saying, is don't mix strange fire. And so I know that relationships can bring strange fire. Circumstances, philosophies can do that. And uh, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals. And I believe that there's enough warning in the Bible for that. But then the third thing is that we protect it from the elements, things that will suffocate the fire of God. The Bible says it twice, and it... And it gives a good teaching here, and especially all through Paul's teaching, it says this, he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, quench not the Holy Spirit. The word quench means to smother. Don't smother the Holy Spirit. Don't, how can you smother the Holy Spirit? How can you do that? Well, you just, you know, you could, I don't know, but I, I believe that you know, you, you put a wet blanket on the fire of God. You smother the, 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 the fire of God. That's what it says. I do know it smothers the fire of God. I said that. I did. But here's what smothers the fire of God. Two things, real quick. Uh, what, 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 let's just put it this way. What smothers the fire of God the quickest? Number one, sin. Sin in your life will smother the fire of God. Pride, lust, anger, jealousy, bitterness. How many know that that smolders and 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 kind of suffocates the fire of God in your life? Because the love of God can't flow because there's anger there. There's bitterness. There's unforgiveness there. Jesus said, when you come to worship, here we are talking about devotions of worship. If you have ought against somebody, put your gift down and go and make it right. That's how important it is to the Lord. And so these are things that can smother the fire of God. And the second thing is that smothers is just simply neglect. When you, when you neglect the Holy Spirit and you worship other things and you get your mind on other things and you follow other things and you begin to really you know, get to a place where you're not listening to the Lord because you don't want to listen to the Lord anymore, that smothers the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? How many know God's trying to lead us to a place of godliness and peace and joy? And we follow Him, that's where we're going. When we follow ourselves, we tend to go somewhere else. And so Jesus, the Bible says, was anointed with joy above, the, uh, above other kings and above his fellows, above, really because he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And that's what it really takes. We don't want to suffocate and smother the Holy Spirit. The third thing is, is that not only do we feed the fire of God with the right fuel, not only do we keep it uh, from the elements, protect it from the outside elements, as it were, but we keep the embers hot. How many know you've got to keep the fire of God hot in your life? One of the things Paul told Timothy is stir up the gift or stoke the gift in your life. To stir it up just like you would a fire. And it's not enough just to keep throwing wood on it. You know, you've got a, a, good, a good 
pyromaniac knows that you've got to work the fire. You've got to, you know, how many have a family member like that? The, the, you get a campfire and all they do is just, they're always on the fire touching it. And you're like, just leave the fire alone. Okay. I've already lost three s'mores. You doing that? I don't need to lose any more. Right. How many, how many got that? Right. Just put wood on it. It'll burn. And then, no, you got to do this and build it this way. And you got to do that. How many love to build those type of fire? You go to the cabin and the teepee, you know. Okay. Right. Right. And so we know that you've got to keep the embers hot. We know that you've got to do that. Keep, keep stirred in your, in your uh, don't, don't let discouragement get to you. Don't let fear get to you. Don't let depression get to your heart. Don't let these things guard your heart, the Bible says. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Come on, somebody. Amen. Keep the embers hot of joy, of peace, of love. Keep those embers hot. When you feel yourself starting to get upset with somebody and really get into a place of anger and frustration and bitterness, men, stoke up the fires of forgiveness. Stoke up the fires of love and giving. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what you need to do. Keep the embers hot. That's what it is. I hope this is okay. And it's different, really, than becoming emotionally stirred. We used to say, man, we're going to stir ourselves up and, and scream right now. Well, okay, that's good, but really doesn't work, okay? So what we do is, we, how do we do that? We keep the embers hot, we stir our hearts. By what? Our thoughts, our actions, and our words. When we, when we stir ourselves, the Bible says, think on these things. There are certain things that you, why? Because if you don't, you can fall into a place of depression, anxiety, get to a place where, you know, you're not even thinking about the joy of the Lord anymore, and God being your source. I mean, anything like that. Keep the embers hot. Let me just go through a couple things. Pray from your heart. That's a good way to keep the embers hot, hot, right? Don't just pray off the top of your head. Lord, I just thank you, blah, 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 blah. Don't just do what we call these shotgun prayers or arrow prayers. You know, shooting arrows into the air. But we just pray from our heart. The Bible says and describes it this way. As Paul gave instruction, pray in the Spirit. And, and according to the Spirit or with the Spirit. And then it says, live it out. I believe that we need to not just pray from our heart, but live it out. The Bible says that we walk in the Spirit. We walk in, 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 the, in love. We walk in these things. We walk it out. We live it out. Live by faith. That's the third thing that we can do to keep the embers hot. Live by faith. Don't let yourself get to a place of discouragement, but say, you know what? I don't care what it looks like around me. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to do what's right in the face of adversity. I'm going to make the right choice. And so those are the things. And uh, fourthly is be a witness. You know, when you're a witness for the Lord, how many know just something about that keeps the fire burning? The cross is fresh in your heart. The blood of Jesus is renewed. I mean, you just have this fresh fire, as it were, of the love of God when you begin to witness to people. How many have ever found that out, right? Why? Because the Bible says in Acts 1.8 that Jesus correlated the fire coming with being His witness. And when we are His witnesses, there's something about the fire of God stirring and being stirred in our heart and keeping the embers hot in our heart. Amen. And so I believe that it really doesn't take much to keep a fire going when your embers are already hot. How many know that? When you've got a hot fire, for those campfire ex experts out there, when you've got a hot, hot embers and you've got hot coals, man, you can just put something on there and boom, right? How many would love to do that as a kid? Paper plates, boom, right? Just do that and you see it and it's all, and you go around and find all this trash and next thing you know you're burning styrofoam and hurting the environment and you're in big trouble, right? Anyways, so I believe that we really need to just, you know, today just say, Lord, how can I fuel the fire of God in my life? How can I stay on fire? Lord, you lit a fire in my heart. I want to keep it going today. How can we do that? 
Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Amen. Just share with you a couple things in closing here today. <clears throat> and if you're online, maybe you can put a fire emoji on this message. That'd be cool. That would work, I guess. Anyways, <clears throat> amen. Not only do we keep the embers hot, but there's one thing that we have to remember in order to really fuel the fire of God in our life, and that is remember God is our source. I mean, no, God is our strength. The Bible says that He is the strength of my life. He's the strength of my life. And it's His strength. It's His power that I rely on. It's, I mean, the Bible it talks about, and Paul said, He is my sufficiency. I, I depend on Him for everything. I absolutely trust the Lord with my life because He's my source. I can't do anything without Him. I'm nothing without Him. I mean, I mean you know, all through the, the Bible... All these great men and women of God came to the place that found out, I need Him. He's my source. And really, when we come down, right down to it, and we get down to our relationship, it comes down to, Lord, I need you so much. I can't do this by myself. I, I need you. That's why it's important that I spend time with the Lord every day, because I, I, I'm going to mess up. To, I know I am. I'm going to say something stupid, do something. I, I need wisdom today. I, I need peace today. I need joy today. I really need your strength today. And so the fire of passion and the fire of purpose and purity in our hearts really begins to burn when we get into His presence. That's really what it's all about, all about. And this message about fuel is really about the presence of God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that's what I want. That's what I need in my life. And so I need a daily encounter with the Lord. And I just wanted to say this in closing that, and, and just kind of put this out there that Jesus is not an addition to my life or a benefit in my life. You know, I'm going to say that again. Jesus is not an addition to my life or a benefit in my life. He is the existence of my life. I mean, it's all about Him. He's the source. And if I don't have the source that's burning and, and I've, I don't keep that you know, fire burning, as it were, in the Old Testament, I've got to do those things because He's my source. How many know when Jesus talked about a candlestick in the New Testament and He said that, you know, that, that, that the candle is that, that uh, uh, light in the house. It lights the whole house up. We don't put the candlestick under a bushel. We don't put a bushel in the candlestick and we don't snuff it out. Why? Because, right, it's the light. We're the light of the world. But, you know, the whole point of that, that story and the whole point of this, it wasn't the altar that was important. It wasn't the, the candle that was big. It wasn't the candle holder. It wasn't the, the, you know, the animals that were so, so much. That was important. But really what was the, the really important thing was the fire. If you didn't have the fire, you didn't have worship. And so the source of it was all about it. How many of you can say, you know, I may not have a lot. I may not have a lot to offer. And a lot of my might not be going right for me right now in my life. But I'll tell you one thing. I know the source. I may not know all the answers. I may not have all the, all, all the problems solved in my life and all the issues worked out. And I may not be, as many Christians say, a perfect person. But, you know, I know the source. I know the source. I know who's my joy. I know who's my strength. I know where my righteousness is. I know who I am in the Lord. I know who loves me. I know who accepts me. Come on, it's Jesus Christ. So He consumes me. He's lit a fire in me. Now keep it burning until the day I see Him face to face. That's the, that's the kind of attitude we have as Christians. And so Jesus lit a fire in our hearts. And so I don't know about you, but I want to keep it going. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I want to keep it going today? Amen. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord. I have no idea. But I just want to encourage you. Just crack open the Word. Just start talking to God. Just start 
you know, singing and, and whatever. Just say, Lord, I'm just going to put the right fuel on this, this relationship today. I, I want to add to it today. I, I know that you did something in my life. There's no question about it. But Lord, I want this fire to get bigger. I want it to burn. I want it to, I want it to be a warmth to others. I want it to be a light to others. I, I don't know about you, but there's something so comforting about a fire when you're outside, when you're in the cold, when you're lost. There's something so comforting, comforting about a fire. Come on, somebody. And how many know there's something so comforting about the fire of God in our lives today? Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you. We bless you. We thank you that, Lord, you have done a work in our heart, Lord, at Calvary's cross. And, Lord, from the day that I met you, from the day that I became your disciple and became a follower of you, Lord, you've never, ever turned your back on me. You've never said, I'm just walking away from this, Lord. Lord, there's been times that I've walked away. There's been times where I've neglected you. There's been times that I've put other things and other people in front of you. But today, Lord, I just want to say, Lord, I, I want the fuel, amen, of, of, of our relationship to just, Lord, increase. I want to burn, you know, my passion for you, Lord, my heart for you. I worship for you, Lord. I just want our relationship to go so strong this year. And I'm going to do the things, Lord, that you've asked me to do, you want me to do, just simply out of love. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me the tools to make our relationship stronger. I pray that you would help the fuel in my life, the relationship in my life with you, that I could lead others, Lord, and bring other people to a relationship with you as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you need prayer today, amen. We can put our hands together and give God a cheer. That'd be good. Amen. If you need prayer today, we have a prayer team.